Okay, wonderful, wonderful. Plenty of time to chat at the end, uh, tea and coffee and biscuits, so please do hang around, that, that'll be great. Now, within our church, Encounter Church, there's many different languages, many different uh, accents, and those of you who are new to our country who probably thought we all sounded the same in the UK, we don't all sound the same. Uh, even in the northeast of England where uh, myself and Wendy are from, everybody thinks that everybody up there is a Geordie. They are not. Within two, every two miles, even in the northeast of England, there's a different accent. You can tell where somebody's from within two miles just by how they speak. Now, occasionally I ask people, I say, what, you know, what do you think about my accent? And then I, I'm not too sure whether I want the answer, but I, you, know, you can tell me, tell me after. I was, I was actually brought up in Birmingham until I was about seven. So I did have a little brummy accent or West Midlands accent, I don't know. And then I'll move to the Midlands, and then just feels as if I haven't really got an accent. Uh, now, I remember a few years ago being in the United States, and um, some people in America have got an accent. I don't know if you noticed, but um, some of them have. And I went into this shop because I hired a car. It was well before sat-navs, so just invented cars. And so I had a car. <laughs> and um, went into the service station... And um, I needed uh, a road atlas. So I went in, and I couldn't, I couldn't find one. And um, so I went to the, after about five minutes, I went to the person, the cashier, and I said, have you got a map? And she just looked at me. Just looked at me. I said, uh, you know, I'm new to the country, I've got to get here, have you got a map? And she just looked at me. And I tried to describe what a map was in ten different ways. And then it hit home. She says, oh, a map! <laughs> That's what you've got to do. So I'm just helping you here. So here is a map. <laughs> and this is um, where... The churches were that the Apostle Peter uh, wrote to, 62 AD. Now, some of you have seen this map before. We put it on over the last few weeks to remind us. And uh, up to the top is a place called Asia Minor, where many Christians had been... uh, They'd gone there because they'd been persecuted. They had to escape somewhere where they were safe. And these churches were set up there. And that is the context in which Peter, in his two letters, 1 Peter and 2 Peter, is writing about 800 miles from Jerusalem, 800 miles from home. And so we're going to pick up a couple of verses uh, in 1 Peter, just to remind you, verses 1 and 2. He says, Where Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ, uh, to God's elect, exiles scattered throughout the province of Pontius, Galatia, Cappadonia, Asia and Bithynia, who have been chosen according to the foreknowledge of God the Father through the sanctifying work of the Spirit to be obedient to Jesus Christ and the sprinkling of his blood. So he's writing to them specifically who have been scattered to these places. So these are real people, real locations in real time. Wonderfully though, These letters can speak to us today. 
that's the wonderful thing about Scripture, isn't it? Is that they can just, you can read a passage and think, God, you're speaking to me today, even though you were speaking to them um, in the past. And he's saying that even though you feel like exiles and strangers, one of the things that Peter is keen for them to feel is that, you know, you are chosen by God. You might be in this place, but you are chosen by God. You might not feel at home, but you are chosen by God. God has made his home with you. And it says that you have been chosen according to the foreknowledge of God. Now, sometimes when we're younger and we're at school, we get chosen for different teams, and certain people get chosen before us because of their different skills. But the wonderful thing is that Peter is saying, you are chosen by God. And he knew he was going to choose you. And as somebody once said, it's not so much, you know, who we are, but whose we are. To be chosen by God is a wonderful thing. He says you're scattered and you think maybe God's purpose is over. But but Peter's saying this is a place where you're going to be blessed. Where you're placed, you are going to be blessed. Now some of you tomorrow morning, at whatever time you get up and go to work, uh, some of you I know get up at 5.30 in the morning and you get ready, and you go to work, and you travel long distances, and you might think, oh, okay, I'm at church, and and knowing God's purpose is then I've got to go to work for the rest of the week. You know, that's the place God wants to bless, because that's where you are, at home with him, a place to be blessed, and that's what he's saying to them. (coughs) And Peter, in verse 3, says, praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he has given us new birth into a living hope and into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil, or fade, protected by God for you. And I think that's a wonderful phrase, that is, that that God blesses us and we've got things to come. But even in this life, God protects the blessings that he has for us. He's very protected for it. Now, the problem in our world, we think it's all wrapped up in money, don't we? Uh, Very much. And, And obviously, we talk about the economy. It is an important thing. But we think it's wrapped up in money, but the Bible's very clear, isn't it? You can't take the money with you, so that is not protected. But everything that God has for us is protected. But even in this life, Peter goes on to say in verse 2, grace and peace be yours in abundance. He protects that. He protects the things that are important, that are real, that really do us good. He protects those things. He says grace and peace is what you need. God protects that, take hold of those things. And he says, this is a place, even though you're scattered, where you can make a difference. And I have to say, those of you at university, those of you at work, those of us at work, God has assigned where we can make a difference. Don't think that, okay, it's in my spare time that I can make a difference. God has placed us where we can make a difference. And uh, Graham Cray, the uh, theologian, says this, the Christian community are to seek the welfare of the city, even though they may be treated as foreigners at at times. So we're to seek the welfare of the city. And dare I say it, that's difficult to do if we only sit in here. And, And God scatters us, doesn't he? Different places, different streets, because we seek the welfare and the blessing of the city. Now, don't get me wrong, being here is very important. With a gathered church, with a scattered church. And we gather because we're scattered. Because we're scattered, it's more important to gather. Because we're going to be scattered. That's why it's so important that we do. It's very important that we have a spiritual home because we are scattered. 
and God, in his wisdom, even throughout the week, he might not be due to persecution, but he likes us in different places. that's, That's part of his plan. And Graham Craig goes on to say this, we have an additional dimension. Christian discipleship is not about self-interest, it's about looking out for the interests of others. Now let me say this, it's wonderful to soak in God's presence and I encourage it week in, week out. But there's something about being blessed when we seek for the interest of others. There's just something, isn't there? When you have a conversation that you feel has encouraged somebody when you kind of even message somebody maybe or, or phone them. It does something, doesn't it? Because it's better to give than to receive. It's a principle. It's a biblical principle. So let me encourage you, if you're feeling down, look out for the interests of others. There's just something. There's just something that happens. And, then, and Peter is saying, you're scattered, but you can make a difference. Peter is saying this is a place where you can grow. It might not quite be the place where you want to be. Uh, tomorrow morning you might not be going quite to the place where you'd want to be because it's Monday morning. But this is a place, Peter is saying, where you can grow. And he says to them uh, in verse 7, chapter 1, even though for a while you have to face trials of different kinds, these have come so that your faith which is of greater worth than gold, can be refined in the fire and can be proved genuine. Now, we don't wish hardship on each other. And as a pastor, I'm not praying, oh Lord, put people in different places so that they can grow. I pray the the opposite. But in this world, God knows where we're going to grow. And I'm sure that probably every week, every month is a situation that we prefer not to have, but God uses to refine us because our faith is so important and and helps us to grow. And sometimes, you know, I have to think, God, how am I going to grow through this one? I prefer not to have it. How am I going to grow? And sometimes the Christian life is like rail tracks. You know, there's two kind of parts of a rail track. I know only one train goes on. But it's amazing how... In a time of difficulty, if we're open to God, running alongside, he's got blessing us in ways that we couldn't believe. Or the alternative is true, that we can see God blessing us in ways that we can't believe, but there's challenges along the way. And I think that's why we love the songs a bit like, you know, um, the goodness of God. All my life you have been faithful. All my life you've been so, so good. With every breath that I am able, I want to sing of the goodness of God. Of God. And do you know the reason we want to sing that is because we want to say, God, even within all the challenges, you have been good. You have been faithful. You have been amazing. Even those circumstances I wouldn't choose, God, you're so faithful. You're so good. You're so amazing. Now, Neil Hudson, um, in his book, Imagine Church, He talks about the different amount of hours or the amount of hours that we spend in different places. And outside of church or outside of sleeping, and the two don't go together necessarily, but outside of those two, you know, the hours that we sleep or we might in church, he says there's about 110 hours that we're in different places doing different things. And those 110 hours. And 
he says this, that it's not only the place that God has called to, to live faithfully and fruitful, fruitfully, but it's also the, the places where God provides the opportunities for us to be shaped. It's in the arena of real life that disciples of Jesus Christ are formed. So it's in those 110 hours that God shapes us and forms us. And even tomorrow, the start of a new week, we can be confident that God is going to be shaping us, that God is going to be forming us. Now, it's very interesting as you read the book of 1 Peter, that as he talks about these are the places that God is going to bless us, where we're going to be at home, where God is going to shape us, where our faith is going to be stretched and, and refined. He then goes on to talk about the different kind of relationships that we have. So it's clear that one of the things that Peter is saying is, in your relationships, God is going to bless you and God is going to challenge you. And the first one that he mentions is about the body of Christ because uh, right at the start, um, he says that in in chapter 1, verse 22, that now you've been purified. Uh, You've been purified by obeying the truth. So that you, he says, so that you have sincere love for your brothers and sisters. Love each other deeply from the heart. So that's the first relationship that he goes on to saying. That you become Christians, you love each other, but go on to love each other deeply from the heart. Now let me say this. Love doesn't go deep unless there's some challenges along the way. Love doesn't go deep if in a relationship, even with somebody of the opposite sex, you just fancy them, unless there's some challenges on the way, love doesn't go deep. And that's what he's saying. You will have trials, but you need to learn to love each other deeply uh, with this. And somebody once says this, they were to love each other, one another, and live in unity, so that the believing, unseen world might know the reality of the genuineness of Christ. So that's interesting, that's interesting, because if that were true, trials and and challenges can prove the genuineness of our faith. Loving each other deeply displays the genuineness of Christ. That's amazing, isn't it? Our loving each other deeply doesn't just show the genuineness of our faith, but it shows the world the genuineness of Christ. And that's big, isn't it? That really is big, that the world would know that I am real because of your love for one another. But there will be challenges within, within that. But that's the first relationship that Peter picks up on. The second one Peter picks up on is uh, he talks about submission, submitting to authority. Now, Jamie talked about this well last week. But he goes on, uh, what word, verse is this? But uh, I think it's around chapter 2. He says this, Submit yourselves for the Lord's sake to every authority, to every institution amongst men. Submit yourself to every authority. And he talks quite a little bit about this, does Peter. He says, You might be in a strange land, but you still need to submit yourself to the authorities that God has instituted amongst men. Now, there's numerous settings and situations that we find ourselves in where people 
lead us or have some responsibility for us, or we lead other people. And, and Paul, Peter, Peter, I keep mixing up, Peter, Peter, is saying, <coughs> you need to re- be able to be a person who responds well to authority. You need to be good at that. And, and this is Jesus saying it to us. Now, we're in a situation, aren't we, where recently, governmentally, it might have felt a little bit of a challenge. I don't know how you felt. People seem to. The media have been joking about it a lot. That's what we do in the UK. We put on the, develop these programs to take the mick out of the government. That's what we do. And um, some of the things that kind of get passed around are quite humorous, aren't they? So these are one or two things that have been passed around in recent times. So 10 Downing Street, perfect for short stays. And uh, the next one's quite topical because it's bonfire night. So the idea is not to blow up the uh, Houses of Parliament. (laughs) But sometimes that's how it can feel. And Jamie made a very good point last week. He says these, these Christians that were part of the Roman Empire... And they had an emperor who was Nero. And Nero was not really good when it came to blessing Christians. He was quite the opposite. And, and here's Peter saying, you still need to respect those in authority. So that was quite a challenge. And it's important for us to be good citizens, isn't it? It's good for us to be good citizens. Now, there's an occasion um, in the Gospels where uh, somebody came to Jesus to try and um, to catch him out, and they wanted to know whether they should give all their spare money to, towards God, or should they pay their taxes, because they realized that Jesus was probably Lord, do we still give, you know, and Jesus says, well, whose head is it on the denarius coin? And it was a picture of the emperor, wasn't it? So Jesus says, well, give to God what belongs to God, give to Caesar what's belonged to, to Caesar, respect both. Now, I, I'm, I, I'm not trying to claim that I'm this amazing citizen or amazing giver, but I like the fact that some of my money can go towards advancing the kingdom of God. I'm also reasonably happy that I pay taxes that it goes towards the development and the blessing of our society. It's good to do it. And I do believe it's important that, you know, Christians are quite honourable when it comes to paying taxes. Um, you know, it's not a big issue for me, but I think it is important. So I have to do a tax return because um, Dan is self-employed, unemployed. Anyway, we won't go into that. So I do a tax return, and you're supposed to be accurate with it. And um, I'm also a person, dare I say, not to show off, if somebody come, a tradesman comes to do a big job at our house, I like them to give me an invoice. I think it's important and honourable that we pay VAT. <coughs> Now, don't get me wrong, I don't want to give all my money to the government. I love it when I get a tax return. At no point I've said, oh, keep it. I've wanted it back. And uh, so that's been a good thing. But Peter is saying, okay, you way you don't want to be, the emperor is not brilliant, but be good citizens. Be good and honourable citizens. And he says, and then goes on to say, well, the Bible also says, doesn't it, in 1 Timothy, I urge you, first of all, the petitions and prayers, intercession, thanksgiving be made for all people, for kings, for those in authority, that we may live peacefully and quiet lives 
in godliness and holiness. So praying for our leaders, even though at times we might get a little bit annoyed, is in everybody's interest, isn't it? And it's interesting that Peter is saying that your faith will be reflected a little bit by how you respond to those in authority over you. Now Peter does go on uh, towards the end to talk about church leaders as well and the attitude of leaders, leadership that is good. Because in uh, chapter 5 verse 2 he says, to all leaders, he said, in churches be shepherds of God's flock that is under your care, serving as overseers, not because you must, but because you're willing. So therefore, leadership is a servant thing, isn't it? Leadership is a servant thing. It's not a better controlling thing. It's not overpowering. It's a, a servant thing. And I like, uh, there's a slide coming on from um, Franklin D. Roosevelt. And uh, this was, he was the uh, American president in 1933 to 1945. And uh, right at the height of the Second World War, he says this, I ask that people devote themselves in a continued prayer as we rise each new day and again when day is spent, the words of prayer be on our lips. That's what we want our leaders to be saying, don't we? Those sort of things. But even if they don't, we are to treat them with respect. And, and Peter says, show proper respect for everyone, love the family of believers, fear God, and he even says, honour the emperor. Jamie spoke about last, last week. There's so many different situations that we find ourselves in, leading or being led, and Peter is saying, be respectful, be respectful for those in authority. And then lastly, as far as this morning concerned, because in a couple of weeks I mentioned some other relationships that Peter talks about, but I'll just come finish with one other uh, this morning, if I may. Because you, you get on into chapter 2, he talks about honouring those in authority, and he's talking about government. And then he goes on, in verse 18, he says this, and I'll explain it. Verse 18, he says, Slaves, submit yourselves to your masters with all respect. Now, when they're talking about slaves and masters, that is more on the line of um, bosses and employees. That's what it's mainly referring to. So, back in those times, there was 90%, sorry, 10% of people who were really kind of rich and high positions... Everybody else, generally speaking, was seen to be a slave or a master. So it's not kind of slavery as we would necessarily talk about it. This is generally on the lines of employment, if that's okay. So uh, that's how we can learn from this. So it says, slaves, submit to your masters with all respect, not only to those who are good and considerate, even to those who are harsh. Now, that's a strong statement, isn't it? Even be respectful when you think you're not being treated in the way that you would like to be treated. Now, this is not saying you don't stand up for what is right, or, but he's saying that there's times when it will appear harsh, but you still respect those who have a responsibility for you. Now, a friend of mine, Stephen, who heads up a youth organization, and a few years ago used to work with him, he put on Facebook, and I don't know what had happened, he just put on Facebook this line, being a leader is hard. That's what he put on. And then a f other friend, a mutual friend called Phil, 
your head is up 24-7, immediately replies and says, being a follower is hard. And it's true, isn't it? I mean, both are hard. Responsibility for people is hard. Responding to people is hard. Being a leader and a follower is hard. And uh, I think that's the way that it is. And each has its own challenges. And sometimes these challenges seem fair. Sometimes they don't seem fair. Now, a few years ago, I had an interesting experience where I, I used to go and work in schools and do RE lessons as going in as a, a Christian to do RE lessons from outside, going for a week at a time with a team that I had. And we went to one particular school in Gateshead, right in the northeast. And the RE teacher, it was back then when Ofsted wasn't really happening, so teaching was a little bit freer and looser. Uh, I don't know if you remember those days, but certain things went on that would never go on now, just a little bit, or just a lot. And there was a RE teacher, we'll call him Tim, I think. We don't know how many Tims in here, do we? No, anyway. I know it's not you if you're called Tim. <coughs> so Tim was a little bit out there as a teacher, um, a little bit unorthodox, didn't play by the rules, but it meant that we got into school, so I didn't really complain. So I went into school. Interestingly enough, I went to speak at a church in the West End of Newcastle and Tim was playing the piano, this RE teacher. And he played the hymns, which was fine. And then just before I was going to get up to speak, the person hosting the meeting said, Phil, we're not going to get you up to speak now. We're going to get you up in a few minutes because we're just going to pray for Tim first. I thought, oh, okay. Is he ill? Is he not well? So Tim comes to the front, and all the elders gather around him, and the host says, we're going to pray for Tim because his line manager is giving him a hard time and treating him badly. And I sat there, I have to admit, thinking, oh, bless Tim. Is that really true? That seemed to be taking sides a little bit, if I'm honest. And I was sitting there feeling very uncomfortable. Not to the point that I wanted to get up and say something, but I thought, how do we know that Tim has been treated in a way that is harsh and not, not good? Because I'd actually seen Tim at work, so I didn't want to say, we didn't want to say anything. But sometimes we just assume, don't we, that we just assume. But it's, it is tough being a leader. It's tough being a follower. And uh, the Bible's saying here, have respect for those in authority. And then I'm going to read some verses that might surprise you a little bit. So in some respects, in many respects, I'm glad I didn't write them. Because they're quite challenging. So chapter 2, verses verse 18 so Peter says this, chapter 2, verse 18, and we'll read to verse 21. Slaves, in reverent fear of God, submit yourselves to your masters, not only to those who are good and considerate, but also to those who are harsh. For it is commendable if someone bears up under the pains of unjust suffering because they're conscious of God. 
But how is it to your credit if you receive discipline for doing wrong and endure it? But if you suffer for, being, for doing good and endure it, this is commendable before God. To this you are called because Christ suffered for you, leaving you an example that you should follow in his steps. Now they're kind of quite challenging verses. As Peter is saying, you will have tough times. There will be challenges. Leaders will get it wrong. But respect is still important for us that are following the Lord Jesus Christ. And how we bear up under such trials often says a lot about our faith. Now, I'm not saying don't stick up for yourselves in the right way. The Bible says, doesn't it, that we yet to be honoring and respectful. In your anger, do not sin. Let your gentleness be evident to all. And some people will often say, Jesus was this big rebel. Jesus was this big rebel. Therefore, it's okay for me to be rebellious. But we just have to be a little bit careful, a little bit careful. Because in um, 1 Samuel it says this, there's a, a very powerful verse, it says, For rebellion is the sin of witchcraft. Stubbornness is as bad as idolatry. So what is that is saying is the root of witchcraft is the same attitude. It's rebelling against. And in 1 Samuel God says rebelliousness is not a good attitude. Just to be rebellious. And to be stubborn, it says it's like idolatry because the focus is all on ourselves, I assume. It's all about, it's all about us. So we have to be careful when we say that Jesus was rebellious because I'm not sure he was in that sort of way. We don't rebel against authority for the sake of being rebellious. It's not a good attitude to have. And in James, he goes on, doesn't he? He says, what causes these fights and quarrels amongst you? He says, because you don't get your own way. You don't get your own way. Now, there's times when it's good to get our own way. Do you know it's good that none of us get our own way all the time? It is so good that we don't get our own way all the time. We'd like to get our own way all the time, but it's not maturity, is it? It's not mature to have to get our own way all the time. We'll come back against that um, in other weeks. Now, to draw to a close, just one more illustration. A friend of mine was in the Northeast. Some of you probably gathered by now. We used to live in the Northeast. We used to live in the Northeast. And when I first moved up there in the 1980s, which was a long time ago, I was on a committee with a guy called, we'll call him Tim. <laughs> we'll call him Tim. Uh, Tims are not getting good press, by the way, but uh, we'll call him Tim. And Tim was on this kind of church committee, not my church committee, and he was really wanting to be an MP. I wasn't sure whether he'd make a good MP, but he wanted to be an MP. So after three or four years, when we arrived in the northeast, he found this constituency in the northeast of England uh, where they needed somebody to put themselves forward to be an MP, and Tim got in to be an MP. And because he was a Christian, we were really excited, really excited about this. 
until he was a young man, he's only in his late 20s, although six months later, he resigned, which surprised me a little bit. It's not a criticism, but it surprised me a little bit. And he resigned because MPs were going to give, be given a pay rise of something like 7%, and most people in the country were only getting 5%. So he resigned. Now, my personal opinion, probably unfair to stand here preach, use a platform for a personal opinion, was to think, Tim, choose your battles. Choose your battles. God has placed you here for a purpose. Choose your battles. Now, this is my opinion for me, I thought if you're going to run over something, Tim, resign over something else. It's 2%, give the money away. I suppose I'm just using it as an illustration that God places us in different settings and we don't get everything that we want. I think that's what I'm saying. God puts us in position of authority or positions of responsibility. We don't get everything that we want. If we wanted everything that we want, we'd go nowhere and we would do nothing. And we have to pray and say, God, Help us to choose our battles well. If you've given us responsibility, help us to choose our battles well. Now, God, as I said, puts us in all kinds of different settings with uh, responsibility. And Peter picks up on all these relationships because, you know, we're told that we're made in God's image, and that is to relate to people in different ways. And we have to do this well. And in the New Testament, when they're writing to these churches... Just to finish, I've said that three times. They tended to be in households. So all the families were there, probably four generations, people with different authority. Um, You know, uh, bosses and employees were all in the same household. So it was amazing that that the, the, the Gospels writers are saying, you know, you need to learn to live your faith out in all these different relationships and these different responses. And some of them were in the same household. So just finish with this quote from David Cray. He says, They had to navigate the extreme sociological and uh, ethno-religious barriers, all the different religions, characteristic of the ancient world, all a big hotspot. There was Jews, there were Gentiles, there's free and unfree, there's men and there's women, there's upper and lower classes, there's educated, uneducated. And all these things needed to be shattered in favour of a new bonding and outlook of all to Christ as the Lord. They all needed to see Christ as Lord. And, and, and the gospel breaks down all these barriers in relationship and how we treat ourselves, each other, sorry. So I'm going to invite the band up. We're going to pray um, as well. And they're just some th- thoughts as where Peter was leading things, why he needed to Speak to the church in this way. Just be careful how you relate to each other in these different settings. And some of them are quite challenging. Some of them are quite challenging in settings, aren't they? Now, we've been sitting for a little while, and you've been listening to me. Uh, appreciate that. So why don't we rise to our feet and pray and before the band leads us in one final song. You might want to close your eyes and... and you know, with your heart, say, Lord, what did you want to say to me this morning through this? There's a number of thoughts trying to unpack Peter's letter.
And maybe with your heart, you're saying, God, honestly and openly, what are you saying to me here? Because we're all in different settings for that 110 hours a week. And maybe as I've kind of muddled through a little bit some of these points, unpack this letter, there's something that's just picked up that's resonated. You might have thought something's true. Yeah, I can see that. I'm not too sure about your interpretation of that, which is fine. You know, we're unpacking these things. But it may be within it all, you just have a sense that God is maybe saying one thing to you. A sense that he wants to confirm that he's saying to you at this time. It might be about work. It might be about study. It might be about attitude towards other things. It might be about our areas of responsibility. God is interested in these things. He wants us to, to bless us. He wants us to grow. He wants us to feel at home. Maybe this morning that you've taken on board or it's real for you that there are challenges at work. And you're saying, Lord, this morning, just help me to respond to this situation as you'd have me respond to it. could be something that we could do better it could be something that is unjust but we're saying Lord help me with this I'd like to pray for those this morning that have been in a work situation or even a study situation and you you have been treated unjustly and no matter how we want to wrap it up in cotton wool, you know that you have been treated unjustly and it still hurts. It still affects you. It still affects your confidence. It still affects you moving forward. It still takes away your joy, takes away your peace. And as I pray, I just encourage you to allow the Lord to minister to you and bring a sense of release because it could be that that is relevant for some people this morning something has happened at work that you're struggling to put behind you and for some you're in areas of responsibility and you're saying you're thinking, saying God Lord I need incredible wisdom from you just need wisdom from you on a daily basis Lord please give wisdom quickly to me I need that wisdom Lord we do thank you this morning as we come in your presence and thank you Lord that your word, the Bible talks about real things real life, real issues and Lord we want our faith to grow we want to be at home with you we want to know your blessing we want to make a difference Father we want to be honouring to you in the places that you've given us and Lord we do pray this morning for those who dare I say have been treated harshly at work or have been hurt we pray, Lord, that you'd minister powerfully. We pray for a release upon them. We pray for a freedom to be able to move forward confidently. We pray, Lord, by your Spirit that your, your, your anointing will break the yoke that is on people. Lord, we pray for those of us where you want us to respond a little bit better to certain situations, maybe at work or other settings that you've given us. Lord, we pray that you'd encourage us at your challenges. Thank you, Lord. You prompt us to grow. We bless you for that. 
And Lord, we pray for this morning for those that feel under incredible pressure that you'd bring a release, Lord, and a joy, Lord, a joy, Lord, even within the busyness, that your joy within us, Lord, will be our strength. So, Father, we thank you that you're speaking to all areas of our lives. We commit Monday morning to you. We commit tomorrow to you. We commit each other to you. And, Lord, we thank you that you've gone there before us. Lord, we thank you that you'll be there with us. Thank you, Lord, that you will be blessing us and you will be shaping us. Lord, we thank you for your goodness to us. We commit each other to you. In Jesus' name. Amen.